If you look at a great external brand experience, you know, it's one that creates brand ambassadors of people that aren't even employees of that company. A great internal brand experience is how your employees experience the company, how they're treated, guided, empowered, and the freedom you give them to do their best work. And, you know, the difference it makes is manifested in an employee or customer staying or leaving. Welcome to One Next Step, the most practical business podcast in the world, helping you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence with tips and tools you didn't get in business school. Here are your hosts, Trisha Shortino and Lisa Zeveld. Welcome to One Next Step. I'm Trisha, the CEO of Belay. And I'm LZ, the CFO of Belay. Today, we are so excited to interview our good friend, the Vice President of Marketing at Belay, Dorian Usherwood. Dorian has 26 years of experience in brand strategy development, customer experience, and brand development and management, among many, many other skills. What I love about Dorian is how he uses visual expression as a way to communicate a marketing message. We're going to talk to him about that as well as what leaders need to know about creating a great brand experience for their company and how to use that to really move the company forward. I'm super excited to chat with Dorian, so let's go. Welcome, Dorian, to the One Next Step podcast. We're so happy to have you today. That's great to be here. <laughs> oh, so this will be a this is a really exciting episode for us. We're excited to have you. First of all, because you're our vice president of marketing here at Belay, and you have so much value to add to this conversation today. I'm looking forward to getting into it and for our audience to get to know you a little bit because we we know you and love you. But before we get started, I wanted to ask you a fun question, an icebreaker, if you will, for everybody. Okay. So we know via your Instagram, or I know just because I know you, um, that you're a foodie and you love to cook. So tell us what is the best meal you've ever eaten or cooked yourself? Yeah, that's the best thing I've Eaten is tough because I've eaten such great food uh, in some very wonderful places. So I'll tell you my favorite thing that I like to cook is Japanese ramen. Um, I Mm. make a 24-hour broth. And at the same time that the broth is cooking, I actually sous vide a piece of pork belly for 24 hours uh, in a spice blend that I created. And... It's the time investment in not only selecting the right pork belly, but also the right bones and herbs for the broth. And then, you know, every single ingredient and coupled that with the process of consuming it and how you're supposed to eat ramen Mm. makes it hands down my favorite. Wow. That's a true labor of love right there. That is true foodie love. 24 hour meal, basically, is what it takes to get to the... And I have to confess, I also follow you on Instagram. So I believe you have a hashtag that is home cooked wins, home cooked always. Scratch best. made wins. Scratch, Scratch made wins. Made yeah. wins. Yes. And I have to say that you've actually encouraged me to cook at home more often. So I, I'm not gonna go <laughs> and make a 24 You're not gonna make 24 hour no. broth ramen. No, no, I'm not, but uh, you've definitely <laughs> you encouraged try. me. 
So, so thank you for doing that. And of course, with a meal like that, it definitely opens up the question about your story because um, that does not sound like something I'm just going to go down to my local corner and pick up. Um, you definitely have traveled a lot of amazing places. And so why don't you just uh, tell us your story and what is the behind the scenes reason for your passion for marketing? Sure. Yeah. You know, growing up as an artist, my parents, they always supported my creative talents. Um mm-hmm. And not all parents do that. You know, they supported me with the right tools, going to the right camps or schools, you name it, they were there. And they really enabled my capability to pursue my talent uh, in the area of creative arts. And that actually propelled me into the professional creative realm, where I dabbled in the creative arts at a, working at a newspaper, actually in Baltimore, the first black newspaper in the U.S. called the Afro AM. And then onto a magazine in New York, the Black Enterprise Magazine, the main Black business magazine in the world, and working as a graphic artist. So getting an opportunity, especially at the magazine in New York, to learn about uh, the trading realm. And, and of course, we're right there close to Wall Street. And then just learning about how businesses are built. So I really started to understand, you know, business is super exciting to me, while a lot of my friends in the in the art world were pursuing the agency direction. And so ultimately, I landed a job as a graphic analyst at Accenture in their strategy practice. So, you know, the documents that I was working with on a day-to-day basis, they really revealed the future strategy of the biggest companies in the world. And I had access to that information. And it really intrigued me in learning about the why as it pertains to business. And through that experience, while I was at Accenture, I was actually named e-media lead. That term now has become digital, but I was the digital lead for the Southeast for Accenture. And as a member of the creative team, I got put onto assignments that weren't just a part of the strategy practice and ultimately got assigned to the e-trade website redesign where I worked with designers, developers, and architects the best in the world, really, and got a chance to live in San Francisco for about three and a half months on that project. That's what really helped me dig into the why as it pertains to marketing and how my creative talent can be applied to the world of business. And so that was kind of a really pivotal awakening for me. That's I a love great that. That's yeah. a great journey. Yeah. Well, and speaking of living in San Francisco, you've lived in some amazing places. Mm-hmm. You've lived in Europe the last four or five years. So I would love to know what that experience was like for you, for you and your family living abroad and what kind of lessons or life lessons you learned from that experience, especially coming back to the stateside now. Yeah, you know, it was definitely a game changer. Having spent 14 years of my formative uh, life living in Europe, you know, for me, it was like returning home. After I moved to the U.S. in 1987, there were always parts of me that didn't really fit into the typical American persona. There were things where I didn't really fit in with this group or that group. And going back to Europe, you know, as an adult, it really showed me why I was not just an American. And my wife, she had also Mm -hmm. grown up overseas. She had lived in South Korea, in Europe. And so providing this opportunity for our kids this was a rich experience that would broaden their perspective for the rest of their lives. So mm-hmm. it was really a no-brainer for us. And 
you know, little did we know we needed to be removed from living the American dream for the idea of our American dream really to be rebranded. And, you know, we validated that America is beautiful no matter where you live. Mm -hmm. And America will always be the land that we love. But we also learned that there's a whole lot of the world out there and how we experience that world as visitors or residents for us is about the overall life experience that you're hoping to build. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, it's not just the destination, but it's also related to us as Americans or humans in the world. And, you know, I learned from sitting at birthday parties with, you know, other parents sitting alongside parents who were Middle East dignitaries, EU delegates, business executives, and other former workaholics. And we all wanted the same thing out of life. Mm -hmm. We wanted our kids to grow up in a safe environment with a solid education and ultimately turn into responsible contributors to the story of our world. I love that. And I love that, you know, both you and your wife um, had that uh, your own experience there. So you knew how valuable it was for your own children. What a gift that you were able to give them. And I know uh, you've shared with us that you miss it. You miss your yeah. friends and uh, miss the sure. food and, and the culture that is there. So um, although we are blessed by uh, you being a part of our team and you being back here in the States, we also are very mindful that it, it's a hard transition. And I know your kids are, are definitely going to feel that too. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So with so much of your background being with large companies, I also know that you spent some time owning your, your own business and you've worked for some smaller ones. So I'm really curious for our listeners who are going, yeah, that's great. You know, awesome. You work for Accenture and Equifax and Home Depot, but I'm not that big. And, you know, I think that you can really help those listening who own a smaller business really understand how they can use, you know, marketing and communication to really broaden their brand experience. So, so what are some things that you could share with us about uh, maybe the differences between the two? Sure. You know, I can say unequivocally that brand experience is not fully understood in any size business or organization, okay. large or small. Let's use eating at a restaurant. As, uh, as an example, you know, before I go eat at a new restaurant, uh, I typically do some research online, look at the website, look at reviews, look at menus, if that's available, look at the location. But once I walk in the door, how was I greeted? When I sit down, how long did it take for me to get my order? How was the food plated? How good or bad was the food? When it's time to leave? How long was that process? Yeah. So for me, when I look at that entire scenario, that's a brand experience. And you'll sure. notice I didn't mention the logo of the restaurant once because it's not about the logo. It's about every single touch point. So when you look at a large company like an Equifax or a small company like, like Belay, all of our touch points, communications, and interactions should create a brand experience that's consistent with who we say we are. That means we have to pay attention to every activity and review, reflect, and then refine our brand experience on a continuous basis. 
Yeah. So, I mean, in, in a way, if I were to break that down, like the, the LZ definition, you know, it's sort of taking your why and putting it into action, right? So if your why is because you want to, you're a restaurant owner and you want to create an impeccable experience with fantastic food, right? Regardless of your name or your logo, and the feedback you're getting is not that, then you've kind of missed the mark on your brand. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that, you know, there's so many companies out there that are product driven organizations. And so they think experience or having a brand experience is irrelevant because I'm selling, you know, AirPods, you know, or whatever you're selling, right? You're selling some product. And so experience may fail to come into play, Mm -hmm. um, which is totally the wrong idea, right? Like, regardless of you still want somebody to come back and buy your item, or you want it to be referred to somebody else because these are the best earbuds ever, um, whatever that is. But I think that there's the experiences out there, really good experiences are so hard to find product organizations specifically, but even service industries. I yeah. mean, look at the cable company. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> If you had to actually like define for somebody what is a brand experience, if you had to, if you had to give it a definition, a sentence or two, right, to summarize what brand experience really is, what would you, how would you succinctly describe that? Yeah, I would define it as all of the tangible and intangible touch points an internal or external person has with a brand. Really, that simply, and you know. If you look at a great external brand experience, you know, it's one that creates brand ambassadors of people that aren't even employees of that company. A great internal brand experience is how your employees experience the company, how they're treated, guided, Mm -hmm. empowered, and the freedom you give them to do their best work. That experience demonstrates how successful you are at it. And, you know, the difference it makes is manifested in an employee or customer staying or leaving. If I can't live without it, then my brand experience is consistent. It's not about perfection, but consistency. And, you know, mm-hmm. go back to the restaurant example. You can have an off day in a restaurant. You know, sometimes the main chef is not there. So the food may not be exactly what it should be. But that should rally the rest of your business to say, we need to make sure we're paying attention to the other touch points around this restaurant experience and this dining experience to make sure that the customers still leave with the same feeling, even though we may be having a, an off day. Mm-hmm. And that, that, mm-hmm. that proves it if you are consistent. Well, we are so excited that you have joined Belay as our VP of Marketing. So I'm going to shift a little bit and I'm going to come back to Belay here. What gets you out of bed in the morning and ready to hit the ground running in your new role? Sure. Um, you know, my kids are older, so I can't say they're the ones that get me out of bed in the morning anymore. Um, <laughs> but, but what I'll say, honestly, you know, and I, I just shared this with someone just a couple of hours ago during a meeting is that I get an opportunity to work alongside eight players that are dedicated to working hard, playing hard and living hard. And that's something, you know, earlier on in my career, when I was talking about Accenture, They really showed us how to work hard and play hard. And they're still doing that consistently to this day. The past five years living in Europe and watching how 
the Europeans approach their work-life harmony. I like to think of it as harmony versus balance. That's what taught my wife and I both how living hard is that third component. And, Mm -hmm. you know, the reason why harmony makes a lot of sense is, you know, there's going to be flux. Sometimes your workload is heavier. Mm -hmm. Sometimes your life load is a little heavier. So you can't play as much, but sometimes you do get an opportunity to take time off and then there it changes again. So I think really for me, I have found a place where I can dedicate all of my experience alongside Mm -hmm. a players that are really, they really care about doing it well and leaving a legacy of having done it well. Yeah. Well, thank you. Those are kind words. I think that we do that. Yeah. So, yes, that's our goal, right? That you can do all three of those things at the same time. So any recipes? (laughs) (laughs) What, what, What is your shareable recipe? Okay, I'm closing this out and saying back to cooking. What is your okay for for a more novice chef for me? Who's not gonna, for me, for not what a twenty four hour <laughs> right. We're not doing a twenty four hour broth and all the things. What is a go to awesome recipe you want to share with us and maybe our listeners? It's a good download. If I could show you the amount of DMs that I have on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter of people asking me for the recipe that I just posted. That's tough because it's really in my head and um, no. I, I cook from my head and I look at what I have. If I'm doing something that I've done before, then the recipe is literally in my head. But I started about two and a half years ago actually writing uh, a recipe book. Mm-hmm. So I have about 60% of my recipes written down. One mm. of those recipes I'll say is that's evolved. It's I've been cooking lasagna longer than anything else. And, you know, when I was 18, the really good cooks in my family said, please send me your lasagna recipe. And I, I thought I perfected wow. it at that point. But I will say my lasagna today is much better than it was uh, when I was a late teenager. Mm-hmm. And to a point where I even make the pasta now, I don't make lasagna without making the pasta sheets wow. for the lasagna. And the silkiness that it creates, I mean, Mm. I can't even describe it. Even the sauce, you know, I cook the tomatoes down. I don't use Mm. canned or or jars of sauce. Everything is scratch made. Um, The only thing that I don't consistently make from scratch are the herbs. I do plan to have a small herb garden here, but Mm -hmm. everything else I do make from scratch. So um, I will post the lasagna recipe <laughs> scratch all, yeah. right. all right this italian girl's looking forward to it and i'll post i'll post i'll post photo because i'm gonna make yes. it now i'm gonna do okay it. yeah okay i could do a, a, a lasagna cooking academy at, at my home for those Ooh, that are local yes <laughs> be careful <laughs> well, robin I may not know what you just <laughs> offered up oh, no, but why are all these people at our front door <laughs> That's right. That's right. Well, Dorian, this conversation has been so, so good. And it's filled with so many great nuggets of information. We actually want you to hang out just a little longer after the interview to answer one more question for our subscribed listeners about some of the companies that do brand experience right. 
Is that okay with you? Sure, that sounds great. Awesome, awesome. All right, guys, you don't want to miss it. To hear that clip, subscribe to our email list and we will send you a link to our bonus content or visit onenextsteppodcast.com where you can find a link in our show notes. thrilled that Dorian was able to join us today. I, I love introducing him to the world and letting everybody know that we have awesome talent here at Belay. Of course we do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I'm going to go first this time. If you don't mind with go. my takeaway, I'm just going to step right the on up here. The stage is yours. There is no toe-stepping here. Because I'm so excited because the one thing that really hit home to me um, that I think is really great for our listeners to remember is that brand experience is about consistency, right? Like he said mm. that several times. Yeah. It was consistency, consistency, consistency. And I think that's just really good to remember. And I think that can go whether you're a large company, a small company, or I'm going to take it off the rails here, even your own personal brand. It can be about consistency. Oh, consi- Ooh, look at that. Just dropped a yes. note there. So consistency. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah, yeah, you are absolutely right. You yeah, are absolutely right. That was, brand. yeah, I like how he really netted it down and simplified it. And I also like how he reminded us that your brand experience is an external facing thing as well, but mm. it's all uh, as we know it to be, but it, there's an internal brand you're creating yeah. for your employees and your team members. It's not, your brand isn't just about how your customers feel mm-hmm. about you, your client experience and those things, but it's also about right. the team experience and how the team is connecting to your brand and what it means to work for your brand. And does right. everybody who work here have the same experience and is it a good right. experience and are we consistent with how we hire and train? And mm-hmm. and so I really loved how we pointed that out um, that the brand is an internal and external facing totally. facet yes. of any business. So, yes. yeah. Yeah. And we talk a lot about culture too. And I think that that can, yeah. that's a, a important part of it. The brand experience yeah. internally is an important part of your culture. So. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, we at Belay believe, you know, that's what bleeds out into the market mm-hmm. is that our internal culture is actually reflected externally. Right. Um, and so that our clients and contractors get to feel that as well. And we hear mm-hmm. it frequently that our team members and, and clients and whatnot, th- they can feel that we have a good culture on the outside. And that is, that to me is like, we're winning, oh, if that's the case, right? Yeah, totally, <laughs> totally. <laughs> well, so as we wrap this episode, guys, I wanted to announce something exciting and let you know that Dorian will be joining the One Next Step podcast as a recovering co-host, so you'll be hearing from him more in the future. He has seen and done, I know, he has seen and done a lot in business and we can't wait for him to share more of his expertise and experience to help grow your business and your leadership. So welcome Dorian to the podcast. We're looking forward to having you on some future episodes. I hope you guys enjoy him as well. Yes. Oh my gosh. That is just amazing. I'm so glad that he joined the team and I'm so glad that he is willing to jump on one next step and share some goodness too. So that's awesome. Well, you guys, as always, we have a download for you so you can take your one next step And Dorian already teased it out. We've got a fun one for you. Dorian is sharing the recipe for his irresistible lasagna from scratch. We're all going to try it. I hope you do too. So download it, try it, and let us know what you think. Yeah, I know I'm going to. (laughs) So text the phrase one next step 
to 31996 or visit onenextsteppodcast.com and you'll get access to Dorian's recipe. Guys, thank you for joining us on this episode. We will see you next week for another great episode filled with practical tips and actionable tools to advance your business one step at a time. Start by making today count. In next week's episode, Chris Walker will join us. Chris is the CEO of Refine Labs and the host of the State of Demand Gen podcast. He'll share how differentiating your business from the competition will allow you to get more leads and drive more sales. Take a quick listen into our talk with Chris. If we at Refine Labs, if we have a company that comes in that is not aware of our differentiation at the time of the sale, we lose that deal every time. They're going to be way more price sensitive. They're going to be comparing us against commodity providers, and they don't value the additional things that we do and the different perspective that we that we have. And so I think that companies that are truly different need to focus on having everyone in the market know about that way before they get into a sales conversation. You can do that through media. You can do that through organic content. But I think the driver is that it's content driven mm -hmm. and you need to figure out how to distribute it effectively in the way that people actually consume it. Thanks for listening to One Next Step. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow us on Spotify. Then join us next time for more practical business tips and tools to help you get more done, grow your business, and lead your team with confidence. For more episodes, show notes, and helpful resources, visit onenextsteppodcast.com.